Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in the Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. Barbara DeLong has been a seeker of the mysteries of spirituality and a practitioner for more than a half a century, at least what she will admit to. And during the time, she has become an international known podcasting host, author, artist, lecturer, ordained minister as well, and documentarian. She painted the Cosmic Deck of Initiation, which is a hand-painted deck of Mandela cards to be used for private divination and spiritual growth, and also wrote the handbook that goes with that deck. In this year, she co-authored Before Roswell, The Secret History of UFOs with Ken Godsward. Her website is a teaching site combining personal information and a plethora of spiritual information and insight. Barbara, welcome to the program. I'm looking forward to this. Oh, I'm looking forward to it, too. What took you so long to write this book? <laughs> well, I'll tell you something. It, it, Ken and I both did a lot of work on it, but mostly it was Patrick Cook's work that we worked from, and he was my late husband. Oh, well, we miss him. He was a great guest on our program. I know, I know. I sat up many hours with him while he was talking to you. Um what happened was when Patrick passed away, I couldn't keep my website and his wife's website going, so I checked to make sure that everything from his website was in any of his three books, and the only two sections that were not, um, I put onto my website, uh, the UFO section and the giant section. And Ken was writing a, a book about Before Roswell, and he, he stumbled across my website, and it was, it was goose heaven for him. And so he called and asked if he could use the material, and I said, sure, go ahead. And then he called back and said, why don't we do it together? And so uh, we did, and a lot of the material that is in the book is material that Patrick had, had gathered. So it was, it was really a lot of fun for me. And uh, both Ken and I added material to it, and it came together so rapidly and so beautifully. It was it was it was an exciting adventure, and it 
took me back to my roots because I got started into this field uh, because I saw a UFO and it landed on my campus when I was in college in the <clears throat> 60s. And so uh, it was kind of going back to source for me and returning to a, a field that I've been fascinated in for obviously decades. Now, how far back do you go back investigating past UFO cases? Well, uh, actually, I think the the last date that we have in the book is uh, 270,000 years BCE. Wow. Obviously, that, that... obviously, it was not printed material, but but it was uh, in the Sumerian kings list, and and in the Sumerian kings list, their kings uh, reigned in the sky, so they had to fly into the sky to reign. And you go all the way back up to uh, a year before the Roswell episode. No, to Roswell. Just fantastic. Yeah, it was, it was, it was an amazing adventure to me because uh, I, I was. There are over three hundred um, instances that we have we have identified, but it was it, it it is a it is a wonderful book because it's all peaceful and it's calm. And it, it does show the difference between how UFO sightings were treated and, and how people reacted to them before Roswell. And then after Roswell, how, how fear started to come in and conspiracy and concealing and hiding information so that, so that there is, there's an amazing shift in public perception and how the government treats it. What do you think the moment was for that, Barbara? Was it Roswell, or was it a little before that? It was probably before that, because uh, certainly there were crashed UFOs that, that Russia had and Germany had, and we had. But it brought it into public, um, public knowledge, you know, and it was sort of like these were physical things that we've seen in the sky, and we really didn't know what they were, but they were, isn't it cool, let's sit and watch them. And then after that, it and you know the the movies and everything else started to demonize the UFOs. And to be perfectly honest, I truly believe that the UFOs were here before we were. So in a way, we are the invaders and we are the aliens. And and so I, I get very upset when when people take a negative attitude towards them because the governments have have well our government anyhow in our country has made it into something to fear. And if it were anything to fear, um, we would have been fearing it a long time ago. I think you're absolutely right. And uh, what is your personal perception, your personal views? I'm sure you have them by now <laughs> on just what, what these things are. Well, I think that they were and actually are now well, right now in the sky, you don't know who owns what. They don't have name tags on. Everybody's got, you know, vehicles that they're trying to fly the same way that the UFOs fly. Um, in my personal belief system, they were originally, for the most part, drones that were being sent to, to check out the planet. And after, after the Rendlesham Forest incident... I truly believe that some of them have travel are time travelers, you know, just checking us out and seeing what we're doing and how we're doing. 
so uh, I, and as far as aliens go, I, I don't think anybody's an alien. We all come from the same source, and I think calling humanity and, and every living thing around the family of man is inappropriate. We are the children of creation. Are you a believer in God, Barbara? Absolutely. There is, a, there is absolutely a source of creation, yes. And I would I guess the beans, the E.T. beans, are just looking for that same thing we are, aren't they? I would absolutely, yeah, oh, totally agree. I think the thing is, everybody's religions have become so corporate, corporately oriented that they've taken the spiritual essence away, and they've created a, you know, an old man in the sky, and that's not true. God is not a person. Oh, I agree with that. Let's go through some of these UFO cases after Roswell. Uh, <laughs> just buzz through them really quickly. Operation Paperclip. Tell us more about that. Operation Paperclip um, were the people that that uh, that came <clears throat> after the after the after, after the war. Wait a minute. Let me check. After here. World War Two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, there have been a lot of them, haven't there? Been? Too many. Um. Paperclip were the people that that we um, quote unquote rescued and brought over to this country, and uh, they're the ones that helped to develop the atom bomb. In some of the cases that that we're going to talk about tonight, people have never heard them before. This will be a first time. Uh, you said that the FDR Franklin Delano Roosevelt wrote some kind of top secret memo. What was that about? Well, he was talking. It was a special. It was to um, the special committee on non-terrestrial science and technology, obvi- obviously saying that there were non- non-terrestrials out there, and and you know, sort of trying to come to grips with the reality that our planet planet is not the only one harboring intelligent uh, life beings. So, and that was in 1944. Yeah. Amazing. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in the Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. 
the war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back in 42, we've heard the story of the Battle of Los Angeles, that we were shooting at something because people could hear pings when the missiles or bullets or whatever we were blasting away at were hitting these things, but nothing happened. Some well, actually, it didn't actually hit them. Um, along, well, many years ago, Patrick and I had a man who had actually been at the Battle of Los Angeles. He's been a child, and he watched the whole thing from his bedroom window. And he said that he was watching it, and while the, the planes and, and the batteries on shore were, were shooting at it, they exploded before they actually hit the ship. And the shrapnel came down, and there, were, there was collateral damage, and people were hurt, and I, I believe there were even a few casualties, um, that, that it was our, the shrapnel from our armaments that were coming down and hurting people, and the next day he and his friends all went out to the beach and collected the shrapnel for the Army, and they got, they got paid for every piece of shrapnel they brought back. That was amazing. That was 1942, where a lot of people thought the Japanese might have been doing something. Yeah, they thought, they thought initially that it was incoming Japanese fighters, and, and it, was, it was just you know, one, one, one large um, ship from what this man you know, told us about. And it, it moved very slowly up the coast. It wasn't bothering anybody. It, it, it was very reminiscent of Phoenix Lights, uh, the, the, the ship that moved up uh, California's coast that Lynn Katai did such That's a wonderful right. job. That's right, 1997 episode. Yeah, very reminiscent of that. Lots of pilots during World War II saw what they thought were Foo Fighters, little tiny discs flying all over the place. You investigated that. Uh, <clears throat> well, everybody investigated it. We thought it was Japanese or, or the Russians or the Germans, and they thought it was us. And when they finally compared notes, they found out that it wasn't either. Wow. I've got a whole list of these uh, episodes. I'm going to skip a few of them for time purposes, but... Sure. Uh, in 1917, you say that there was a human that shot down a UFO. Tell us about that. <laughs> that's one of my favorite, favorite. That's, that's the one thing in the book that I swear is going to someday um, be a, a, a question on, on a quiz show someplace. Um, it, was, it was, let's see, wait a minute. I want to get it right here. It was 1927, and it was... 19, it was 1917. 17, 17, sorry. And it was um, Baron Manfred von Rickofen. Rickofen, it's German. And the German but pilot, he, right? Yeah. And he was known as the Red Baron. And he, mm -hmm. uh, he, had, he had shot down 80 enemy planes for the Germans during World War One, 
but he's the first human in history to gun down an alien spaceship. And um, what's fascinating is that there was another pilot who saw, who saw the same thing, and um, you know they they reported it. He they he he immediately shot it down. It crashed by the woods, and um, two pilots got out and ran into the woods. They were never seen again, and um, it, you know they reported it. And nobody said anything or did anything. I, they were probably told to keep quiet. And um, they thought that perhaps it might, might have been some military um, reconnaissance of some sort by the U.S., but obviously it wasn't. And that's one of the things that he is very famous for and yet um, never given credit for. No, that's a story that's kind of been buried. Another story, 1917, is something I've talked about quite often, Barbara, and that is the Fatima in Portugal, where the apparitions of the Blessed Virgin Mary, but everybody says that the sun came down, and I've always said it was a UFO that they saw. Yep. <laughs> I do believe it was, and there were, um, gosh, there were fifty to 100,000 people there, and it was raining, apparently, when all of this happened, and... Um, you know, reporters and and all. It was it was a large silver object, and they they also had the um, they called them flowers or snow, unusual snow. But it sounded like it was um, very much like um, uh, other things that have happened as far as things dropping from the sky, and um, it's similar to angel hair that is you know known to be present at, at a lot of UFO cases. And it, it was just, it was amazing um, how the fact, I, I truly believe you're right. I think it was a UFO. Yep. And, and yet when you get to the, to the sighting and everything, it, it was pouring rain and then it stopped raining and everybody was dry. So there was something very mystical and magical happening there. And, you know, was it, was it the Blessed Mother? Was it um, an egregore that... Everybody expected to see the Blessed Mother, and so that's what they what they manifested. I, I don't know. I, I think in cases like this, the the element of an egregore has to be considered as well. In 1915, a case I had never heard about before until I saw your book. In Turkey, a regiment of British Army members, 800 men, simply yeah. disappeared. Where did they go? Well, now there there was a fog. There was a strange fog, and they were attempting to take a hill um, at uh, Suvia Bay near Gallipoli. There were 22 witnesses. The regiment of over 800 men marched into a strange fog of clouds uh, hovering over the hill, and they were never seen again. And, you know, the... British thought that they were had been taken prisoner, and the Turks just denied any knowledge of the, the existence at all, and no sign of the regiment has ever been found. 800 men, I mean... I know, we're not talking about a handful of guys that disappear. 800, my God. I want to know who the 22 were that didn't go. The smart ones. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> what's, your, what's your best guess on that one, Barbara? What a story. Um, I think the fog opened a portal to another dimension, and they marched into another dimension. 
Now, that's interesting. Like they walked through a portal or something? Yeah, I think it was a portal. And they could never find their way back? Well, I think they walked into another dimension that had a physical reality similar to ours. They they probably were... I, I think they went into a dimension that was very similar to the Earth plane right now, almost like on, a, on, a, on another timeline, almost. And I, I think that's what happened. I don't think they were taken into a ship and whisked off someplace. I think they, they became interdimensional. The late Jim Mars talks about the 1897 Aurora, Texas UFO crash. That was a fascinating one. Well, the the part of it that I loved so much was the fact that when the ship crashed, I hope we're talking about the same one. Um, I'm sure we are. When the ship crashed and burned, uh, the people in the town went out to, to check it out, and they found one, one body, and it was a very small person, and they took care of him. They uh, collected him, and and they put him in a coffin, and they buried him, and they had a funeral, and... Our report comes from a newspaper article of a, of a woman who was um, a teenager at the time. She didn't see the crash. She, her mother didn't let her see the crash, but her mother let her go to the funeral for the, um, for the, for the pilot. And I was, I was so touched by, by that, that that it was amazing. And then many, many years later, um, the government... Um, she was then, uh, let's see, she was a 90-year-old woman in 73, and um, the government wanted to exhume the body, and the townspeople would not re- release the, uh, the location of it because they wanted him to rest in peace. I wonder where it is right now. What do you think? Oh, I think it's still there. I don't think they'll let anybody touch it. They, you know, the people have been very protective of it for this long. I, I can't see them giving up the location. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.